Well, welcome, and your job will be for all the ones who arrive at 1035 to let them know that the reason why we're in here is because they're working on finishing up the audio-visual equipment, the project that we have going on in the sanctuary. So this week and next, please come gather in here because wherever we are, we worship the Lord. Will you now please join me in our call to worship? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Sheila. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Sheila. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Let us stand together and sing. come before the living God to worship him, and as we come, we come fully aware of our sinful nature, of those things we have done and not done that do not reflect his image in us, and so we pray a prayer of confession. 
Join me now as we pray before God. Most holy and merciful Father, we acknowledge and confess before you our sinful nature, prone to evil and slow to do good, and all our shortcomings and offenses. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Lord, have mercy on us, who are ashamed and sorry for everything where we have displeased you. Teach us to hate our errors, cleanse us from our secret faults, and forgive our sins for the sake of your dear Son. Holy and loving God, help us to live in your light and walk in your ways according to the commandments of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Those who are in Christ become new persons altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything becomes fresh and new. This is the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Find some appropriate way, unique to yourself, to share the peace with each other. was rather subdued, but thank you. because we, <laughs> we have a few hundred announcements, but I'll try and narrow it down to about a dozen. But we give announcements because we want you to engage in the life and the ministry of our church. Now, when you leave here today, if you're in worship in person, the first thing that you could do is go right outside to our patio. You have two opportunities to be engaged in ministry. The first is we have a card outside at the welcome table for the church, the Taiwanese Presbyterian Church up in Orange County, who last week suffered a loss. A person came in and murdered someone who was attending a reception there. And so we just want them to know that they're in our prayers, that we care about them. And so you have an opportunity to sign that card. Please do so. Also, we are having a packing party. And that means we're putting together all the items that you have collected for Safe Harbors, which is a Christian organization that is engaged in helping asylum seekers. The asylum seekers are vetted, they're here legally, and they're waiting um, so that they might begin a new life here. And many of them come with babies, many of them come and have babies, and they are in great need of a number of different things. We've been collecting it from you. Thank you very much. You can go outside and you can help pack those. Now, if you're an engineer, that packing party sounds like magic, I know. But if you're not a packer, go outside and just pray. 
Pray for the items that are going to these little babies and to their families, that we might do a good thing for them. I want you to know that Monday evening we continue with the Bible study. Laura Metzger is teaching on um, Proverbs, and if you didn't start, you're welcome to do it. It's upstairs in, in the conference room. You can also watch online. That information is in, in our um, villagechurch.org, so please go there and find out what's going on. On Tuesday, we are going to celebrate the life and give promise that we have of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we remember the life of June Barrymore Ash, 2 p.m. in the chapel. All who know her are invited to come. The day after, we're starting a four-week series that Dr. Ruth Grindel will be leading us through in unnamed but not unknown women in the Bible, which is a nice way of saying God knows you by name, knows them by name, but let's find out about them. So please come. It will be at 10 a.m. and in the Fellowship Center, so we'll be right back here. Next Saturday, again, an opportunity to serve at our branch barbecue. We go down and we feed those who do not have shelter, and we provide a meal for them. If you cannot go but you're a baker or if you're a shopper, you could bring cookies or brownies. Leave them at church by noon on Thursday. We will make sure that those are taken down and given out to the people who come to have a meal. On June 12th, we're going to celebrate all the graduates. And that means not only your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, maybe even you got a degree. We want to know about it. So what we need you to do by June the 3rd is to send us information. We want the name, and we also want the school, if they're in college, that they're graduating from, um, or if they're graduating high school, what school they're going to go to. So just help us celebrate. We're going to celebrate that on June 12th, but we need the information by the 3rd. And then certainly we don't want you to forget Vacation Bible School. It's coming up June 20th through the 24th. Now, some of you do have grandkids that are old enough, or maybe even great-grandkids, that are old enough to be helpful. If they are 13 and older, I have a wonderful plan for their week while they're visiting you between the 20th and the 24th. You'll be so happy. A half a day, they'll be engaged, and they'll be helping out. Go talk to Allison or Michelle about ways in which they can engage. Also, your financial support, your other, your physical support would be greatly appreciated. So there are opportunities for you there. Our church exists because of the generosity of this congregation. So let us take time right now to give of our talents that we have for the Lord and to give to the Lord our offerings. I invite you forward at this time.
pray with me? Lord God, you are the shepherd. We are the sheep. You are the one who leads us into the green pastures, beside the still waters, and through the valley of the shadow of death. You are the one whom we come to praise and to worship. You are the one to whom we come to listen and from whom we receive. You are the one who calls us to be family with you and with each other. Remembering who you are and who we are, we remember as well that you invite us to come from out of the busyness, out of the distractedness, out of the self-centeredness of our lives, and to come into your presence with each other. You are the one who invites us, who encourages us, and sometimes even needs to command us to take this time and then, especially in the time of prayer, to come and to express to you that which is deepest and darkest in our lives, that which is most joyful and fulfilling, all that is in our lives, that we might lay it before you for its redemption and healing and renewal and encouragement. And so we come to you. Some of us today, Lord, are filled with great joy, great peace, great happiness. You have given us so much in this world that we cannot even begin to tell of the blessings. Some of us have new children or grandchildren or even great-grandchildren in our lives. Some of us have a, a new job, a new relationship, maybe even a new hip or a new car. Lord, you've given so much, and we thank you. Some of us, Lord, are filled with dread, with despair, with disappointment and discouragement. There are more reasons to tell for these things than we can possibly lay before you. You know them all. We lay them before you because they're real and because we know that, especially in the suffering of your son, that you have suffered with us. And so we lay all of these things before you, praying for your strength, your healing, your encouragement, praying that you will show us the light that is beyond the darkness, praying that you will reveal to us where we can take just one more step forward and then one more step after that. Lord, there are so many things that fill our hearts and minds, we cannot begin to name them all, but these few we have named. We have named them knowing that you hear us and love us, and we name them now in the brief but powerful words that your Son gave to all of us and to all of the church for all time 
to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
another one of those days where we could just give the benediction and send you off, but we won't. <laughs> Beautifully done. Thank you, choir. Will you please stand with me for the reading of the word? I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. And then from the Epistle of Romans. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds, those who observe the day. Observe it in honor of the Lord, and those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Gracious and holy God, thank you that we come together to worship you in all elements, in song and in prayers and in praise and in hearing and receiving your word. Holy Spirit, may what I share be acceptable, led by your spirit, Lord God. May it encourage us and challenge us. May it come alive for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. I think probably the first psalm I ever learned was Psalm 23. Most of us, I think, that would be the first psalm you ever learned. And John Calvin said that the psalm is the anatomy of the soul. It speaks to us. And I think about the way in which um, we have heard or learned different psalms. I know that, Jack, I think one of your favorites is Psalm 57. Am I right? 55. Thank you. There, Ken. I know... Uh, each of us may have a psalm that we love. I love Psalm 121. And it began not when I was a child, even though I was in a Bible club and we learned all these good Bible verses, all of which have flown out of my head somewhere. But Psalm 121 became alive for me when I was first ordained. And I was old when I was ordained, but I went to visit as part of my call to visit those who were homebound or those who were in assisted living. And I went to see this sweet little old lady, and I opened my little, I can say that now because I am one, and I opened my little prayer book, and there was Psalm 121, and I began to read it. And of course, as I read it, I would look into the person's face, and I watched her lips move about a half a second ahead of me. 
for she knew every word of the song. It spoke to her. And I thought to myself, I need to know the song. I need to know about the song. I need to know why it is so important and how it can speak to me. Dr. Livingstone, many of you know that name. He was a medical doctor in the 1800s. He was, uh, to begin with, a good reformed Presbyterian from Scotland. He kind of went and incorporated some more of his faith in, in a different direction, but always a follower of Jesus, always a lover of Jesus. And he wanted to be a medical missionary, and he wanted to go to Africa, so he studied and he prepared. And in 1840, as a very young man being commissioned to be a missionary in Africa, the psalm he quoted was Psalm 121 because he knew that the Lord would be with him. He went off to do much good. He fought against those who would enslave the people. He brought medical care. He brought so many things, but mostly he brought Jesus to the country there. And his work is for us, I think, a good word, because everything he did was for the Lord. Now, if you have read the e-blast, which I'm sure all of you just read both two times a week, I'd love to quiz you on this. But anyway, if you did that, you know that a few weeks ago I returned from going on a trip with uh, two elders and a deacon. So two elders, a deacon, and a pastor. We went on a little journey, a sojourn, to the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. So it's about uh, a 200-mile walk, not counting all the little shopping that we did or food we went to eat. or, uh, Yeah. But I realized in going on that walk with these phenomenal women that it really didn't matter whether we went two miles or if we went 200. God was with us. And we felt God's presence, a time of reflectiveness, a time of sharing, a time of meeting other people. And the psalm, again, for me, is one I took with me. But the psalm was more than just the walk for me or for anyone else. Along with a sweet little old lady, that older woman, be careful when I say that, that, with whom I shared the scripture, our kids, when they were teenagers, learned Psalm 121. It was a worship song. And uh, it was one easily learned. And if you ever want your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren to learn scripture, put it to music. Am I right? Is that an amen over there, one? There we go. So they loved the song. And especially our middle son, Richard, really liked the song. And he was in a Bible study. And at his memorial, Jeff Holmes, who was his pastor for youth, shared that Richard would come bouncing into his house at about half past six in the morning, singing Psalms 121 at the top of his lungs. Now, he, Richard is about as gifted in singing as I am. So think about that at half past six in the morning, not a great thing. But his enthusiasm, he loved that song. It made a difference in his life. And even though I had learned it long ago from a, a woman who knew it by heart, I was thrilled to see how important it was was part of the reason why I went on the trip. The psalm is one that touches our soul. And as we turn to it now, there are three things that the psalmist talks about. He begins with, I need help. 
That is a good word. Because our greatest sin is, is the fact that we think we're so self-sufficient. That we think we're in control of all of destiny. That we think that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, and that we just are in control of the world. And all we need is one crisis, one dark moment of the soul, and we're looking up to the hills, asking for help. The psalmist switches from that. He starts with, I need help. I'm looking for it. And then he says the help comes from the Lord. And the rest of the psalm is all about who God is and what God does. God is one who keeps us. God is one who protects us. And God is one who preserves us. Let's look a little bit more closely at this. So maybe the psalmist, when he's looking up at the hills, is looking at Jerusalem or the hills around Jerusalem or maybe at Mount Sinai because we know that God came and he spoke to Moses in that Mount Sinai and and there's a, a language, there's a history behind that. But it's greater than that. It's looking up and it's beyond. It's like, where's my help coming from? And we raise our heads up and we look to God for help. All of us or needed help at some time. So God is present always, even in the darkest times of our lives. Now, two of our deacons, a husband and a wife, and I got to point them out last service, Kim and, and Rick Puttkammer, they served together. Well, last month, before we went on our trip in April, um, on Monday before, the four women went off on this great journey to Portugal and Spain, shared from the book, called Jesus Calling. And he shared a section that said, follow me one step at a time. And I read it to our session. I, the deacons have it. We printed it out. We took it with us because we thought, this is powerful. This is really helpful. And Kim and Rick say, you know, we read this every day because there's something in our lives that, that just hits exactly on this. And I just want to read one section. It doesn't come from Psalm 121, but the words are still good and they mean something. Follow me one step at a time. That is all I require of you. In fact, that is the only way to move through space, time, world. You see huge mountains looming and you start wondering how you're going to scale those heights. Amen, amen. So we're walking and we're a little worried. <laughs> and I see, I see those mountains up there, and I did say, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Lord, I'm so glad you're up there. Can we just not have to go over those mountains also? Turn if we did, up and down a few mountains, but God was with us. At one point, we're just, it's a flat area. We're walking on the boardwalk, and one of our walkers um, hits a, part of the wood and begins to fall. Fortunately, her good agility, she grabbed hold of the railing on the side and saved herself. And we would say, and God was very, very present from uh, potentially a very um, large injury. Uh, Could have been disastrous. He keeps our foot. Even as we stumble, he has us. You're not going to stumble with the God who is the keeper, the God who's there for you, the God who walks with you. Even when we struggle 
And I wish that we didn't have to, but we have to remember that God is present. He keeps us. Now, oftentimes we think, oh, I, I, I just keep God close to my heart or, or I take God with me. And those are really, really good things. But I have news for you. It's God who keeps you. I mean, we may keep God, but God is the one who keeps us. That's bigger than you are. That's a good news. For God keeps us, and not just us individually, but our whole community. And we saw that in the walk as we walked together and as we read daily from Jesus calling and follow me, we saw the presence of God. And I felt like God was with us and God was keeping us as we walked. Now, when we walked, we met a lot of people, and that was one of the other fun things, is that as God is the keeper of Israel, and Israel for us is, is all of God's people, we met two women. They were from Ohio, devout followers of Jesus, and they were kind of speedy gondolases. They went further and faster, I think, than we did, but they were delightful, just people that loved the Lord. We met two men who leave their wives at home, and they go on these sojourn. I leave my husband at home when I go, but we're all going on a trip somewhere, so they're walking along, and we call them the boys from Bath because they were from England. And they had grown up in the church. One especially was an acolyte, but he was really on this for a spiritual journey. It was just something to do with his friend. But, of course, when you're with two elders, a deacon, and a pastor, and you're going to have bread together, you're going to have a meal, guess what? Okay, let's pray. Okay, time to pray. One day, one of them was not feeling really well, and so I said, how are you doing? He goes, well, I'm, I, I don't feel great today. My stomach's a little upset, so, you know, a few miles down the road. I go, so, Jamie, how are you doing? And he goes, spoken like a true pastor. Pastor Jan, I'm okay. <laughs> but see, our community is larger than that, and, and God is the one who keeps all those people. He keeps us. He keeps us. When you walk along, the people of Portugal and Spain also say to you, Buen Camino, Buen Camino. They see you walking, you're on this sojourn, and they want to support you. They want you to know they see you're on this journey. And for many, many people, it's a spiritual journey. They don't always know that when they start. And some seek that out. We met a woman from Denmark who was walking along, kind of hoping for an epiphany. Where do I go? What do I do from here? Yes, she prayed with us, too, whenever we had a meal. You just kind of, you're stuck with us. It's what happens, what we do. A woman from Nigeria who married to a Danish man, lived in Germany at the time and had some vacation time, and she had grown up in a Christian family and still had faith and thought this would be a good thing to do. Those are just some of the folks that we met, people from England, good Anglicans, that do this journey from different places all the time. It's a spiritual walk for them. And God is with them, and God walks with them. He is our keeper. Now, God protects us. The word keeper that unfolds in verse 5, the Lord is our keeper, the Lord is our shade at our right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, that's an analogy because they were afraid that the sun, which could really do damage, we worry about skin cancer, we worry about, you know, wrinkles, we worry about other things, but you're in a very, very hot place and you don't have enough water, you could have a stroke, you could, it could really be your demise. They also feared night and the moon. This is all in ancient time. You know, the moon was big and is it powerful and is there, so they were worried about that. I'm going to protect you. Remember, the psalmist is telling us who God is. God is a protector. He's the keeper. He's the one that protects us wherever we go. 
and God preserves us. Protector and preserver comes together for me. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will protect your life. And I don't know about you, but I cannot help but think what's gone on in the last, last weekend. Ten people murdered in a grocery store simply because of the color of their skin. A person murdered because he's from Taiwan, and this person from mainland China did not like it, did not want that freedom. And violence rings out. And you cannot help but say, God, I lift my eyes. Where will my help come? And yet even in the midst, and that's what makes us believe in the psalmist because we've walked a path that it sometimes is not beautiful as Jack had prayed, not perfect all the time, not great, but God is present. God is present. And God remains with us. There is nothing that can take us away from a God who cares about us. He preserves us. He preserves our life. Now, the world may seem overwhelming, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we still belong to God. At the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of whatever we have experienced, God is there because God is the one who keeps us. God is the one who preserves us. Your very soul is mine and I will be there. So not even death can take you from me. This brings me to Paul and his talking to the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, there are some essentials in our faith. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit and dwelling, God the Father, all those kinds of things. And then there are some non-essentials. And unfortunately, we get kind of caught up in the non-essential, like what we eat or what we don't eat or or what we do or what we don't do that's not essential for our faith. And Paul goes, you know what? Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So you're walking along that trail in Camino. Or you're walking down the street or you're driving around here or you're shopping in the store, you're doing whatever you're doing, you do it for the Lord. Not so that you can puff yourself up and go, oh, by the way, I am, I am, I am good on the law. I am really observant. You get this? I don't eat this. I'm really, really observant. The other person goes, oh, grace, grace alone. Hey, I meet you whatever I want. Paul goes, whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. I know for me and for those who came with me, it was, yeah, it was a good thing. It's a good challenge. It's what we're doing. But Christ is so real. That can we just be that face of Jesus as we walk? Can that prayer that we give be an encouragement for others? Whatever we do, do it for the Lord. And know that whether you live or you die, it's for the Lord. That's why God is our keeper. That's why it's so much bigger than we are. Paul had to remind them. We may need a little reminder every once in a while that God is greater than anything we face, that God is with us whatever journey we're on, and God will hold us and sustain us. 
Now, the folks at Compostola, when we finally got there, we got there at different times, so our Ohio women energizer bunnies got there before us. They filmed us walking into the Compostela. It was wonderful. We all went to service that night. They had a mass at half past seven, and we all filtered in, and we were watching all the, I, I don't know if they were, I don't know the Catholic Church well enough to know, but it, whether they were cardinals or bishops, they had on white robes with red over it, and they had those big hats on that Jack and I in our dreams would love to wear sometime. You know, it looks really, really official kind of thing. It just, and they did this service, and of course it was in Spanish, and of course I don't speak Spanish yet. Um, and yet you were, you were there, and you felt that you were very much a part of it, and then we're there with our friends. We're there with the women from Ohio. We're there with the boys from Bath. We're there with the woman from Denmark and Nigeria and a slew of other folks. We're there for Mass. And then he lifts the bread. He gives thanks and he breaks it. We don't need the same language to know what's going on. And to a person in our little group, Oh, yeah, I grew up as an acolyte, but I'm, I'm kind of over that. Got up and went forward for communion. That touch from God that said, I will keep you. I'm there for you. And at the end, they have this huge incense ball that my husband, when he saw the picture of it, called it a smoking pinata, but we'll forgive him for that. It's a boto fumera, and it's huge. And it takes a bunch, like eight men, who pull it up, and they swing it all through the cathedral. And those of you who have been there and seen that, we didn't expect it. And it was amazing. And our eyes were lifted up because as we saw it moving and we saw that incense rise, you couldn't help but say, my help comes from the Lord. Amen. Stand with me now as you are able, and let us responsibly affirm our faith before Lord. What is your only comfort in life and in death?
watchword for Dr. Livingston was, without Christ, I go nowhere. With Christ, anywhere. May our God lead us each and every way. And as you go out today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.